May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. For those of you who are tracking it, this is the third week in the month-long series on chapter 6 of the Gospel of John, the one that's all about bread, where Jesus feeds the 5,000, is pursued by the crowds who want more bread, and when he tells them, when they come to him, he tells them that he came not to provide more bread, but to end hunger by giving himself the bread of life. On our first Sunday, I asked, what are you hungry for? And then last Sunday, I suggested that Jesus' bread of life is always the answer to our truest, deepest hungers, that we might join our voices with the crowd of those following him, asking doubtfully, hopefully, Sir, give us this bread always. For don't we long to be loved? Don't we long to be fed? Don't we long for meaning and purpose to give our lives to something larger than ourselves? Don't we long to know God? So I thought I had set things up pretty well to talk this week about the Eucharist, since Jesus speaks so clearly about his body being bread, of giving his body for the life of the world. I was ready to do a great exposition on communion. And then I reread the gospel for this week. The 5,000 who had so recently feasted so recently begged, sir, give us this bread always, these very same crowds turn on Jesus this week, whispering, complaining to one another. Who does he think he is? <laughs> Isn't he just the son of Joseph? And then I lived the events of this week, the 70th anniversary of dropping the atomic bomb on Hiroshima, a young man sentenced to life in prison for a movie theater massacre, the one-year anniversary today of the killing of Michael Brown in Ferguson, and all that that calls up about how black lives still do not matter enough in this country. And then the chaos of 17 contenders and two debates in one night for the Republican presidential nomination. It was a big week. In the part of Paul's letter that we read today, he calls the Ephesians and us to put away all bitterness and wrath 
and anger and wrangling and slander, to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Live in love as Christ loves us and gave himself up for us. Put away bitterness and anger and slander. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another. Imitate God. Live in love as Christ loves us and gave himself up for us. Doesn't that make your heart sing? Isn't it like poetry? Doesn't it feel just right? Yes, my heart replies. Yes, that, that is how I want to be. That's how I want things to be. And then, and then evidence of how short we fall. Hiroshima, Nagasaki, politics too often played more to score points than to improve lives. Michael Brown and Eric Garner, Tamir Rice, Walter Scott, Freddie Gray, Sandra Bland, and the nine saints of Mother Emanuel AME in Charleston. Just a partial but horrifying list of how black lives have not mattered enough this year. We are called to love. We are called to live in love. We are called to imitate God's love. And we fail. We can't even accept the bread freely given, bread of life, without turning upon the giver. And yet, and yet, clearly we want to be better. Clearly, we long, we hunger for, we crave meaning and love and purpose. We hope to grow beyond where we are, to live up to Paul's call, to imitate God. We want to be good. We want to be loved. We want to love. But wow. Is it hard? One of my favorite people, social worker and TED Talk phenomenon, Brene Brown, said in an interview recently that when she had a midlife crisis, she returned to church, the Episcopal church, by the way. And she returned because she thought it would solve all her problems. It would take away her pain. What she found instead, however, was a God who would not take away pain, but who would stay with her. Who would stay with her through the pain, weep with her, who would bring life out of death. She then says in this interview, that her theology is not very complicated. 
I believe God is love, she says. And it makes total sense to me then that Jesus would have to be the son of God because people would want love to be like unicorns and rainbows. And so then God sends Jesus and people go, oh, love is hard. Love is sacrifice. Love is eating with the sick. It's breaking bread with people. It's trouble. Love is trouble. It's rebellious. It's not easy. Love, she says, is very controversial, really. To that, I would add, love does not look like birthday cake. It does not look like a five-course meal. It looks like bread. Plain, but nourishing. Not extravagant, but enough. Not our fantasy, but what we need. Just as we need a God with skin on in order to understand what it means to say God is love, to understand how God wants us to love, I think we need to understand Jesus in earthy, homey metaphors. Bread of life. Bread of life. With him we'll never hungry, we'll never thirst. And this bread, this body, this God is given for us, for you, for me, for the life of our world. As the Lutherans say when you receive communion, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. We are so hungry. We are so hungry for love, for meaning, so hungry to love, to be good, to put away bitterness and anger, wrangling and slander, so hopeful that our hearts will grow tender. We're so hungry for forgiveness. but we have to be careful. It's easy to romanticize all of that, easy to think that love is some airy, sweet concept, a place where unicorns feast on fairy cakes, where all is easy, so it's easy to be good. To keep us from that dangerous fantasy, we who read headlines and live lives that make clear just how hard it is to love, to forgive, to be tender. We who must commemorate anniversaries of atomic destruction and the violent death of some of our precious ones at the hands of the ones we want to respect for their service and bravery to protect us from pretending that love is easy, God gives God's self in the flesh and shows us how to love fiercely, bravely, 
sacrificing self for others, risking reputation, risking life to love others. And then when that flesh is gone, crucified, dead, buried, raised, when that flesh is gone, God gives us bread. That humble peasant food to remind us how to love, gather together. Remember the source of all love. Eat together, then go feed others. It's not much bread. It's not much bread that we get here. It's so small. It's so slight. The piece of bread that's placed in your palm, it's a morsel. And then a sip of wine. It's easy to forget that the bread that's on the altar is connected to the body that is on the cross. But it is. For that's what love looks like. That's what love looks like. Sacrifice. Trouble. Rebellion. Breaking bread with outcast self-sacrifice. That is how we know what to do. The body of Christ, broken for you.